0: Welcome to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast, where we interview entertainment pros about their careers and how they became successful in the industry. The secrets to their success here every week. Here's your host, Sean
1: Ventura. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Ventura, and I just want to say go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review. I just wanted to mention that this audio podcast was originally a Facebook Live. This is my first time recording four people live. There was static in the background, but I think we got most of it fixed and it should be fine, just so you know. Our guest today is some guys with a camera. There's three guys from Liverpool, England. They've made eight short films and they're only 17 and 18 years old. They've got a Of great stories, they've already won some awards. It's going to be fun, these guys are awesome. Here we go. I saw your short films, um, and we're going to talk about three of them today. and I'll bring up a little poster for them when we talk about them: Um, Blackbird, uh, Shopping Bag Number Two, and Life in Lyrics. (laughs) And they're all very cool. I've actually made four short films myself, um, and uh, it's so much fun sorry.
2: Are they online anyway? Um,
1: I've got on my lights, camera pro YouTube channel. I have Ramona, which is the latest one about a online date gone bad. Um, and the woman's drinking a lot. She ends up throwing up on me and stuff, but, um, I had to act in it cause the actor dropped out. It's a long story, but yeah, that's the only one I have up online. I had a couple other ones that were in different places that have disappeared, but I want to put them all up again. Um, but yeah, I've done theater. I've done a bunch of different things and was a video editor for 25 years. And now I'm doing podcasts. So life is crazy, man. So why don't you guys? I think- yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you want to do this. Let's, let's just, um, why don't you tell us who's the direct uh, Matthew directs and writes? I'm sorry, John Matthew also co-directs is what I understand. And then Connor stars in the movies. Um, let's just start with John and, and what do you do with your? film collective if I can call you guys that
3: we mainly all contribute ideas so we basically work on everything but Matthew usually directs I usually help him write and help him direct on the set sometimes and Connor usually writes as well but we all contribute to the ideas and the films that we're going to create so often what happens is I'll come up with an idea and then Matthew will expand on it and then Connor will add in his own bits and then when we're writing it as well We'll all contribute at the same time. So everything that we've done is our own collective vision. So every everyone is putting our own our own ideas to make the whole thing.
1: So, Connor, you are yeah. the star of a bunch of these movies. And I actually just saw you get killed by, I think, John with a blonde <laughs> wig on. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, yeah, that, that happened in Shopping Bag 2. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Shopping Bag 2. That happens. That actually happens. Um, so... Were you acting before you met these guys, or uh, were they just like, "Come on, you're a buddy, get in front of the camera"?
2: Yeah, no, I, I've I've always been like doing like some amateur stuff. So obviously, from a very young age, I was starring in different uh, local projects and such things. But I think where, when we all met was in uh, 2017, a local cinema in uh, Liverpool, where well, obviously where we're based. They were running like a community type projects. And I went there as obviously as an interested actor and filmmaker, and that's where us three met. And I think obviously uh, in our our first, obviously Matthew had made films before, but our first film as a unit, the first proper, some guys with the camera film, that was the first shot mug. Uh, originally, I wasn't the, the lead role; in that. that was another uh, another actor, uh, Harvey Previs, but his uh, his role was cut and. It was films re-edited and so I, I, I essentially ended up being the star by accident and then not even intentionally just a lot of the films <laughs> i've been in as you know as as the one of the lead roles or the lead role because yeah, I, I, would, I would
1: yeah very cool um and john would you say that, and I know this is probably, you guys can all answer this, but would you say like, you just have a passion for making films? Because how many films have you made? Like 10, 12, 15 films?
3: I think we've made about probably, probably eight. All of them have different lengths and some of them are like smaller, like couple of minute films. Then some of them are really big projects that we've spent like a whole summer working on. Yeah, I completely agree. definitely definitely just a passion like at least when we were starting out we didn't have all the equipment we didn't have like really good cameras and we didn't have great microphones Matthew still doesn't have a great microphone (laughs) first question
1: have many we go for about 45 minutes so um if any of you need to leave you can leave just let us know um but uh, first question is you said you did different kinds of films as far as um you know, little small projects and big projects. So, so are you just shooting like with a phone with the smaller projects, and are you shooting with uh, a DSLR or professional camera with the larger projects? What film cameras are you using? Anybody can answer. Matthew,
4: sure. So, shall I answer that one? I guess. I, I guess I'm cameraman so. And um, so the uh, very early projects were. Contrary to popular belief, we've never filmed with a phone. A lot of people comment on them, saying like, "Was this filmed with a phone?" Or when they try to criticise it, like, "You need to get yourself a camera." We have always used the camera. The very early films were a DSLR. I can't pronounce it. And then, um, eventually, I started lending uh, Panasonic cameras. I don't know the exact brand name, but quite valuable ones, quite good ones. Um, from my college. So ever since we've been using them, so the technology has definitely improved a lot since.
1: Yeah. Are you using just local actors? Or are you using actors from a theater? Or do you put out ads? Is it from a school? Where are you finding your actors? Or are they all your friends?
3: Most of them are our friends. So we just, when we're writing a script, we might think, oh, this person, I can imagine them playing this character. Even if they've never acted before, we will... Invite them onto the set and like they can act. And basically, a lot of the time they're just playing themselves. So, in our next film, which is Shopping Bag Number Three, Matthew's friend from college called Jag. He's never acted before, (laughs) but Matthew said that he might be he might be able to pull off this great role because he's really funny in real life. So, we also put out adverts as well, so people can message us if they want to be involved, and we'll try and find out when whenever we find a role that they can be a part of. That's really cool.
5: Oh, yeah. But,
2: uh, yeah, a lot of the people who we've, we we cast are they've all a lot of them were in the Messes on the Plaza projects that we did, the Plaza Community Cinema that we were all three of us mess on. So sort of it's quite nice because it's there's people who've been there from the very beginning and been a consistent factor in the film. So it's quite a very nice. Very cool.
1: Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that you guys are doing that because um a couple of my first short films out of necessity, I had to use non-actors. And some of the non-actors were better than the actors. You know what I mean? Not (laughs) not that we're like judging everybody, but uh, I was like, wow, this woman's never acted before in her life and she's amazing. So it just kind of depends. And you can also get a serious dud who just, you know, um, takes up the screen. Okay, so let's talk about a film. Um, Let's start with Blackbird. Blackbird. Um, this was kind of fun. It was kind of eighties. Um, I, the guy with the Mohawk, I didn't really get what was going on, uh, because I didn't watch every second. I kind of skimmed through it, but, but tell us about Blackbird. Was that your first film, first big film or what was it?
4: That was our most recent one. Okay. It was, um, that was made in, I started writing. I had this idea in sort of late December that I wanted to make an eighties film. I don't know how much in the U.S. you know about Margaret Thatcher, who was prime minister here during the 80s, but it was a very controversial government, a lot of uh, poverty, a lot of social injustice, a lot of police brutality. Um, And so I was studying, you know, like her premiership, her government in history class in college. And I just thought, isn't this a great context for like a character study, like a taxi driver, joker sort of thriller? And um, so I started writing it, and it wasn't working out. It was more like a social realist, 10 type drama, and it just wasn't really fitting what I wanted. And then um, I was on this bus journey into Liverpool City Centre, going past all these run-down streets, like these grimy areas where we ended up actually shooting the film. And all these lines just kept popping into my head. I was like, I just went home and just basically wrote it. We started filming two weeks after
1: that. Very cool. And Connor, were you in this one? Uh, I
2: was. I was the... I got a wedgie in the start of it so
1: so. you got a wedgie in the start oh so did
3: you have to was that like <laughs> yeah. method acting was yeah it was method acting yeah <laughs> unfortunately I think your friend really wanted to give you one so we just yeah. wrote it to the square. right right,
4: yeah. Yeah. right. I accept uh, no criminal
3: responsibility
4: for it yeah. he consented we gave him a wedgie it's in the film the real take you see he's actually screaming from a wedgie yeah. sometimes I watch that bag just to laugh at it <laughs>
1: You guys are all really... uh, Just tell me, how old are you guys?
3: Are you like 25,
4: 30?
1: I'm 21. Okay. I'm 18. 17? Wow. And you're making all these films. So let's... um, let's um, talk about another movie in a second, but your Instagram is huge. You've got, I mean, you're not Kylie Jenner, but you've got like <laughs> 5,000 people on there. That's a lot of people. How did you grow it so quickly?
4: It really took off. I have a lot of people who are doing the same thing as us, but at a lower level, lower level. That sounds so snobby. You know what I mean? Like having <laughs> yeah, really got the it. same traction as we have, they come in the ask, like, how have you got so big? And I kind of re- think, I don't really know. Because I think we have a we we try to set up like a sort of brand. So the Instagram has the same sort of humor. It's like this very self-deprecating self-awareness. So I think so we for example, we've just done an audio commentary for our film Noel. I was promoting that on the Instagram today. I was saying if you want to see us ramble about irrelevant stuff for 20 minutes, it kind of just I feel like we want it to be quite informal. Um it's the informalness and it's the yeah, we post very frequently. We know lots of people, we're gonna network and we collaborate with a lot of we say like we'll get musicians to do a song for our film and then they'll share it to their like followers. And I just we've just built up very gradually. There was never really a point where a woke up for me at five thousand it's, it's just been gradually going and hopefully we'll expand.
3: Very
1: cool. And John, I didn't ask you, what did you do for Blackbird?
3: So I played a policeman, so that was very fun. Um, I didn't have to talk; I just had to, you know, these sort of like nineteen, nineteen tens and like nineteen hundreds films where there'd be like these black and white policemen, and they'd just like run around. Yeah, around yeah, for yeah, fun. like the so Keystone was, Cops. Yeah. yeah, the Keystone Cops. It yeah. was kind of like, kind of like a parody of that, but bringing it into real life just to show how, how bizarre. The institution of the police was and this was way before the events of america right now so i don't know i think you can, uh, you can take a lot here. of it now yeah. yeah it's very
1: cool so um i'm just sitting here watching the three of you guys you're all very funny like you just have a funny <laughs> thing about you uh so i think <laughs> it would you. be great for you to do like a behind the scenes of you making the movies and yelling at each other and being like, dude, we're going to give you a wedgie. All right, let's do a wedgie. All right, let me go get a pair of underwear that I don't really care about uh, before we do the wedgie. I don't want to use my was, good underwear. It was his mom's knickers. Oh, it was his mom's. <laughs> nice. He probably doesn't and, um, want to tell the, the world that. Okay, people in India, he's yeah, wearing really, his mom's knickers.
4: I want to embarrass him as much as possible. We ripped it so hard that. It physically ripped, and it's someone just show one of like the actors or something just shoved it in a public bin. And I was thinking, what what's people gonna do when they walk past and see them in the bin?
3: <laughs> That's awesome. it didn't even tell his mom. He just stole them from the washing machine, apparently. And then, <laughs> oh my god! So,
1: what do you guys think? I mean, I'm going off on tangents here. We'll go back to your movies, but what do you guys think of Ricky Gervais? Is he a hero or is he a uh, is he crap? What do you do you like him?
3: I think he's a hero. Yeah. hero.
1: yeah, I mean, afterlife.
3: Me yeah,
1: afterlife is amazing. I watched the original Office, so much better than the American Office. Um, yeah. And afterlife uh, is huge. And now this, people are watching Derek. I mean, and I love his Golden Globe stuff. It's just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I mean, when he rips apart the celebrities. But you, but he's yeah. popular My- there in Liverpool. People love him.
4: Very, yeah. Me and John actually went to go and see him do stand-up live a few years back. Um, he came to Liverpool. He was hilarious. He's a bit, I think he's an influence on our work. Like, we've all probably seen everything he's done. And just, he's kind of like that sarcastic, um, yeah. yeah, like self-deprecating yeah. humor we can use quite a lot.
1: Yeah, he's so self-deprecating. <laughs> um, and what about, like, Benny Hill and Monty Python? I know I'm doing all English stuff, but... Uh, uh, definitely, Py- definitely Python. I think definitely Python? Yeah. definitely, and yeah, and yeah. do you have influences in the US? Is it like um Jonah Hill or someone like who do you like in the US that is funny filmmaker? <coughs> Seth Rogen. Mel, Mel Brooks. Okay. The
4: Coen brothers.
1: Yeah.
3: Woody Allen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scorsese. Okay. I like the
1: Scale Yeah, Scorsese. no, that's great. I love <laughs> yeah. all those guys. Oh my god, Woody Allen is so hilarious. Um Mel Brooks so I don't know if you've seen the show uh comedians in cars getting coffee. Jerry Seinfeld it, yeah. went to Mel Brooks's house and he's sitting. I forget the guy's name. Oh, um, I wanna I wanna say Carl Reiner. So Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, two comedy legends, are sitting in Carl Reiner's living room eating pastrami sandwiches. They're like 80 <laughs> years old, and they have TV trays. And Jerry goes in there and he's like I'm in the middle of greatness. And, and Bell Brooks was telling all these stories about how he just grabbed his friend who was a dentist and put him in blazing saddles and grabbed his brother in law because nobody else, nobody else showed up that day for space balls or whatever. And it's a similar kind of thing, man. It's just, you kind of hit this thing at one point in your life and you become huge like Ricky or like Mel and you just, just keep making stuff till that happens. And sometimes it never happens, but um, these guys are doing the same stuff that you're doing. They just were in the right place at the right time. So uh, let me just see what else here. Let's go to uh, life and lyrics. You want to talk about this, Matt? We'll start with Matt and go around.
4: Yes, we'll start with how it came about. So I actually made this for um, a college project it was um i just i'm a massive music fan but i can't play any instruments myself and I, I can't sing i can't really do anything musical so how do i kind of honor my interest in music without without doing music it's make a film about music and thankfully i know musicians that's how that came about It was for a college project it needed to be a film that shows the character development of a single person it's about this musician molly rains which is kind of based off myself you though know, it's molly rains sounds similar to matthew reynolds and um, she she represents myself in a lot of ways and it's really her developing from this really like shy little girl basically and then she goes through a breakup and gets much stronger and wants to put her work out there i think a lot like a few of the bits of the dialogue were based off things that were said to me in real life um, Hair putting her music out there represents me putting my films out there and like taking hate for it it was quite a personal film and I think it's not been as successful as our other projects but I very much like to talk about it because it's one of our favourites
1: very cool and Connor you were in that obviously I was yeah uh, I played yeah Sean Rains the brother character uh, okay so yeah. was he the boyfriend of the main character oh, the brother the brother, okay.
2: Yeah, the older, older brother. Uh, I think in the film he was a, a failed rap artist.
1: Okay, and it, there I was one brother. scene where you were talking in a very bizarre way, and you were like, but, and I was like, "What is he doing there?" I didn't, I didn't really understand what was going on, but it was kind of funny. What were you, were you making fun of someone in the film, or? Well,
2: yeah, no, it was, it was quite a serious role. The the, the, the character as a is obviously... several people i know but okay. the, the characters have a asparagus syndrome and sort of like uh, embodies like, ah. like the security of that
1: condition and um, yeah so, cool cool yeah, yeah i like I that they, one and in the end she well, um she kind of becomes popular and her billboards in some square like a times square type of place or something and um yeah. how does she feel I, I don't really understand um how she feels about that. She looks like she's not happy about that.
4: She's quite happy about it. She, um, she is? I think okay. what she's most happy about is the I think she's most happy about the personal um relief of it because I think my favorite bit in the film is when her ex-girlfriend is walking through the city centre and she looks up and she sees Molly Raines on a billboard. And she's like, damn. So I think it shows that like, when people try to put you down, you can always rise up to it and you can achieve it in the future. And then the people who put you down in the past will then see your success and be like, oh, I shouldn't have been so horrible to them. That was kind of the idea.
1: Right. And and John, what did you do for that film?
3: So I was the the kind of mentor character for her. I'm the guy that is already like an established musician and he goes and tries to find a support act and he comes across Mali and I think that was kind of about like you were saying before about being in the right place at the right time you might have the talent but you might not necessarily be discovered or you might not necessarily know someone who knows someone because this industry well all the entertainment industry is about who you know rather than what you know so I think it's about those kind of like chance encounters of like finding someone who can help you not do all the work for you, but it can like help you achieve greatness that way.
1: Right. So let me tell you a story that will be, I think very interesting to all you guys. So I have this friend, Jim Issa and he's a director and he's directed commercials and he's actually directed, he directed a film with this actor, Luke Perry, who you might know from 90210 who recently passed away. And he, he directed some lifetime movie directed a few features And he raised the money for features. And he was telling me how to do that uh, when I interviewed him. So on the Lights, Camera, Pro podcast, if you want to check it out, Jim Issa talks about directing in general and how he went from a commercial director to a film director. But he also talks about raising money. And he tells this story where he's friends with this actor, Tony Shalhoub, who was on Monk. Uh, the show Monk. I don't know if you remember that show, but it was a show on in America on USA for many years, very popular. And him and Tony and their wives went out to dinner with these two people that had a lot of money and were looking for a film to invest in. And this is how it ha This is why I want to tell you because this is how it happens if you ever do it someday. So they listened to his pitch. They were asking them for money, um, saying, "Listen, you know." What do you think? Do you want to support this film? Do you want to give us a hundred thousand dollars or half a million dollars? Whatever it was, it was a lot of money. They went to a fancy restaurant, and the guy was like, "I don't know. It's kind of like a love story. We're looking for more like action." And and Tony had tickets to the Oscars because he went every year and he was part of the guild or Actors Guild or whatever. And um, basically, Jim had had cleared this with Tony, and he said, "Do you want?" Tickets to the Oscars. And the guy was like, yeah, that would be great. And the guy gave him the money for the film. So he had access to something that that guy's never going to do. He's never going to go to the Oscars. You know, he was a doctor, dentist or lawyer or something. And, um he got the money to make his film. And on top of that, I talked to an art director who's worked on the new um, Christopher Nolan movie, Tenant. He's worked on the new Rock movie, this DC superhero movie called Black Adam. He's a big art director in Hollywood, but he also makes short films. And he um, is his name is Justin O'Neill Miller. And you can go and listen to his podcast, but also like – Go to his website. and He has a very, very crisp and clean short film. I forget the name of it about a woman having a birthday party at her house and everything has to be perfect. But um, he was talking about working on all these huge movies, but he wants to make short films also. Right. But he, he also wants to make a feature film someday. So that's it. That's all there is to it. You know what I mean? Like I spent my whole life making short films, making plays, never, you know, got written up in some New York newspaper or went to some film festival or whatever, but it didn't click to the next level because I didn't have those connections. And once you have those connections or you just somehow get to that place, somebody can tell you how to do it and you can make a feature, which is, I'm sure that's what you guys want to do someday, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so let's talk about the last one here. Shopping bags to back in business where Connor gets choked by John <laughs> in a blonde wig.
3: It's not what it sounds like. And Connor kicks John <laughs> in the balls.
1: Connor gets kicked in the what?
4: And Connor kicks John in the balls and he falls over a hedge. <laughs>
3: Do you want to talk about Amongst this one, many Connor? other
2: things, I think Connor's most qualified. Yeah. Uh, I think that of our, move, of, of our films, this is, I think this is the third film we've done together at that point, was it? Yeah, I think. Uh, and I think it's also... Fourth fourth, yeah. Yeah, fourth, yeah. Third or fourth. I think it's the first time where we were, we looked at it and thought, this is happy with the entire product. I think we got a lot of the technical aspects nailed down on that one. Uh, I think it's definitely we we developed our style a bit and our working relationship definitely in that film. I think that was the the first one where you know everyone clicked together. We were all on the same page and whatnot. Uh, it's also it's very influenced by you know you can see the obvious influence. There's a bit of Scorsese in there with the the camera style, etc. There's there's a lot definitely a lot of the Python in it. Uh, I think me and John gave some. You know, Our best comedic performances in that film, uh, yeah. And it was very enjoyable to make. It was the first time I'd thoroughly, properly enjoyed every minute because so, on any film set there's always slow mo, there's always moments where you, you're you're going to rip your hair out or you want to kill someone or whatever. But I think well, we we're get shot. stuck in quicksand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Be
4: like amazing. illegal
2: view.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. like an Ed. I'm like an Ed Wood director. I'm just like, okay, two takes, let's move on. You know, like it, <laughs> the filmmaking process to me is so slow. It takes forever and people want to do so many takes. And I'm like, guys, 12 takes. I think you got it.
4: My <laughs> actors wish I only did two takes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your actors do, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I think on another on film, no. on a
2: side note, uh, I think I, I did like 40-odd takes for one line. I
4: couldn't get the delivery right. Uh-oh, what man. was the line, Connor? That <laughs> was more your fault, not mine. Yeah. I can't remember what the line was,
2: to be
3: I think it was Hope You Have a Great Christmas, and it yeah. took you 40 takes.
2: 40 odd takes. Yeah. Oh
3: my but,
1: yeah, God, it, Connor. That's- <laughs> I've heard what that um, right, Oliver Stone does 60 to 100 takes of every scene. Oliver Stone, the filmmaker, is crazy. <laughs>
4: yeah, I'm not, I'm not that bad, Connor.
1: No. No, so tell-
2: even then it's an anomaly I think usually Matthew I don't know, you do a few but he doesn't overdo it yeah. yeah it's only like three yeah. to five yeah. usually yeah yeah. I think as as an actor I think I I enjoy it most and I give me best performances usually 90% of the time when it's more spontaneous because I, I tend to as it goes on I, I, I don't know about you John you've acted in some of the films it's well, as you get, you know, as you go through the takes, it gets a bit monotonous and just the same thing again. So I, I think I'm a lot better and more skilled on the first shoot because I feel more spontaneous.
1: Very cool. I like a lot of the shots in a lot of the films. There's some really wide shots with silhouettes. There's some uh, some really nice shots in, in many of your films. Um, but as far as um, on your Instagram page... There was one one of the posts had the guy from the IT crowd. Um <laughs> I forget his name, the actor. Those guys Richard, are so-
3: oh, Richard Ayawadi. Yeah. yeah.
1: So Richard Iowadi. Um I worked on I worked for Cartoon Network for a while and I worked on um Apple and Onion and it's <laughs> like a cartoon with Richard. And every day I heard his voice and I could only think of the IT crowd thing. But why, why was, um, why was he on your Instagram page? Was that just a meme or something?
3: That was an idea that I came up with because we like to sort of be very self-aware and post memes and stuff. And we were sort of like teasing about our new film. And for some reason I was thinking about the IT crowd and then the scene where he goes, where they go to see the, the gay musical and he says, um, I saw it's that. described to him. Yeah. It's described to him. And then he goes, Oh no, it's set in the eighties. Cause you think he'd complain about the, the contents of it. So I thought maybe we could tease our new film by going by showing that, that, um, that battle. That'd be quite funny.
1: Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we're drifting again, but it crowd, uh, best episode, <laughs> the one where they're stuck in the bar and, uh the guy gets on the he's like in a wheelchair and he's going away at the end that, that's the, that episode I laughed the entire time like the whole episode every minute it was absolutely hilarious do you guys have a favorite I'm disabled.
4: episode I'm disabled
3: <laughs> probably that one That that one. is the musical one I think isn't that the
1: musical one yes. is hilarious yeah. too yeah
3: mine too I like the one where they
2: where they rob a DVD from the shop where the bunk off where and then the uh, the end up, there's a bomb threat outside.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that um, one. I, just, I don't I know why it. that guy isn't like the biggest actor in the world. He is so. And the other guy's funny too. <laughs> the big white guy's yeah. funny, but he is yeah. so funny. My God, like he know. just says some stupid stuff, and I just laugh for ten minutes. Don't know.
2: I was, well, what's his name? Uh, Matt Berry. He plays. it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's yeah. the best.
1: So the greatest <laughs> film of all time. That's my little intro for the big question before we go to advice at the end. Uh, let's start with Connor. What's the greatest film of all time, man?
2: Well, I would probably have to say the original Planet of the Apes, I would say. Really? The, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's... For its time, the a lot of the effects and just the filmmaking on display, I think, is very impressive. And especially for its time that it's you know, it was sixty eight, so it was just in the course of the civil rights movement. I think its message is very very forward thinking and very, you know, it's very advanced for its time in what it was talking about. Yeah. And also it's just very fun film as, you know, as just an enjoyable spectacle.
1: Yeah, I love site. it. Love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew
2: I
4: think the greatest film of all time is Goodfellas because I think people forget that a the people when people say the greatest film of all time it might not necessarily be their favorite it's just one that's done technically perfect but Goodfellas is my favorite I think people forget that it needs to be really enjoyable as well to be the greatest well. so, film because I enjoy Goodfellas so much and it's so technically well made that would be my favorite
1: yeah that's- I love that shot where they go into the restaurant just one shot oh yes amazing it's on a steady cam
3: john probably a controversial choice but i would say fight club just because like the amount of times that you can watch it over and over again and pick out a completely different meaning every time i think the performances are great i think the writing is so funny as well and there's so much that you can relate to the modern day as well i think it's i think it's really great.
1: Very cool. Well, I won't bore you with all my answers. I, I just have several, but Streetcar Named Desire comes to mind with Marlon Brando and Vivian Leigh. Stella. Stella is one of my favorite <laughs> uh, films of all time. But like Star Wars, Rocky, Jaws, the, these big blockbuster movies really influenced me. And The Matrix just knocked my mind out of its shoes. Like that just blew my mind. I was like, what? This could be real. Um yeah. So, so many movies like that, but let's, let's wrap it up guys. Cause I know you got movies to make,
3: um, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. if you could, oh. um, yeah.
1: talk about advice you would give to young filmmakers. I know you're all super young and you're just getting started and you made a bunch of stuff, but, uh, let's just go Connor, John, Matthew, and advice to young actors in your case, John, and, and, whatever i mean in your case connor and then matthew filmmakers even though um let's start with connor what's your advice to young actors
2: Uh, i would say obviously be natural don't don't force yourself and always be aware of your ability like you know i'm i'd like to think i'm a decent actor but i'm not i'm not not the greatest of all time so don't don't allow you to get in the way of it and i think a lot of your performances can you know really benefit that you just be yourself but you know you've got to be humble about it and as well I think I think a, a benefit I have is obviously make your own material and be involved with people you know are going to cast you you know get you out there essentially because as I, obviously I'd say I've done a bit of acting but none of it was really anything major and I know obviously I'm aware our films are major compared to what I've done You know, in a few plays etc before some guys have a camera I think definitely because I'm producing some of my own material and I have a lot of control. I can you know, write a lot of the roles for stuff I want to do as an actor uh, and they have influence over that. So I think definitely make your own stuff and be humble about it. That's my
3: thing. Very cool. And John? I think you've got to absolutely love every single role that you play, even if it's a really small role. Like in Blackbird, I was only like a minor character, but I really love playing that policeman. You've got to like, create a story for them in your head, make up things that aren't actually in in the script or anything so imagine what they'd have for breakfast and what they're doing their spare time what they think about certain issues and then i think that brings them more to life and that really helps me because I, I feel like i wouldn't say that i become the character but you really feel like you're portraying someone who's real if you keep doing all that extra little research
1: very cool let me let me just chime in here matthew real quick because uh Uh, Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite directors he does this thing that I don't know if you know John where if he's in a hospital he dresses up as a doctor and if he's on a ranch he dresses up as a cowboy because he wants to be right by the camera and he wants the actor to stay in that world and doesn't want to knock him out of that world so that's that's just like a cool little tidbit about Tarantino Matthew what's your advice
4: I would say as a filmmaker to just get Get yourself out there and don't be afraid of what other people think. I've got my films out there. I knew my first few weren't going to be very good. And maybe my current ones aren't even that good either. But you've just got to keep going because the amount we've improved is very significant since the very start. And you will get abuse. You will get people not being nice, but you'll also get people being lovely and you'll make like lifelong friends as well. So to sum it up, just get yourself out there produce as much as possible. And yeah, just, just do it. I know it's a cliche, but like, just make films and you're a filmmaker basically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the same thing with podcasting or, or video editing or anything like that. And I would just say, this has been great guys. I totally appreciate it. Uh, Thanks so much. Just so you know, like doing stuff like this also helps you because I'm on your side guys. I'm rooting for you. I want you to make more films and I want you to make bigger films and, And uh, I'll be watching you from America, from Atlanta uh, to see what you do on your YouTube channel and all that stuff. I think you guys are great guys. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks very uh, much for having us. Thank you very much. Yeah, guys, you have a great rest of your night.
0: Thanks for listening to the Lights Camera Pro Podcast, where entertainment pros talk about how they made their dream into a career. Go to Apple Podcasts and
1: Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks to Bob Juergens for the Rockin' VO and Joseph McDade for the music. Next week, we have a very special guest. It is the Mommy yo yo podcast, and she has lots of stories about being a mom, and she is so much fun to talk to. I had a great time interviewing her. Tune in next week.